You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. This is an incredible weekend for me because a couple things come together. Uh, first of all, on Friday, I turned 58 years old. So uh, that was good. Enjoyed, enjoyed, great birthday. And then today is my 31st anniversary as the pastor of this church. And so that is always a joy to me. I've enjoyed that. I mean, 31 years is a long time to be in one place. Before that, I was eight years as a youth minister. But the fact that I've been able to be the pastor of this one church for 31 years is more than I could have ever asked for. And I just want you to know, when God called me to preach, my answer was no. Don't think so, would rather not. Short little fat kid, I didn't want to be in front of people preaching, didn't want to have to talk, it was just nervous and shy, and God said, I want you to preach, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think so, I'll do whatever. I'll do anything else, just not preaching, I don't want to be on stage, I don't want to be in front of people, God, just anything else. I remember there was a period when I was 17 years old that I said yes to God. And after I said yes to him, we, we made some changes. I was supposed to go to Stephen F. Austin uh, University on a scholarship, and I switched over to go to East Texas Baptist University and, and to study Christian ministries. And so in that transition, I was really struggling through that, and I remember uh, getting alone. I was working at a camp outside of Tyler, Texas called Brookhaven, and there was a period of about three days that we had no campers, and, and it was a time that you're supposed to get alone, get by yourself, and, and just spend some time with God. And if you've never been to East Texas, there's nothing more peaceful than sitting in the woods in deep East Texas, pine trees everywhere. It's, just, it's a very restful place. In fact, when I was young, I would go hunting, not to kill anything, just to sit out in the woods. It was, uh, it was just incredible. If something came by, I did kill it, but I, I did enjoy just the peace. And I remember specifically praying to God. And the prayer in, in the mouth of a 17-year-old was, God, I'm going to do this because I love you and I, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. But God, I want to be part of something that nobody can explain. I want to be part of a movement that nobody can get credit for except you. And God, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna give my life to you and I'm gonna follow you and I'm gonna serve you in the role of a pastor. But God, I just wanna be part of something bigger than myself. I don't wanna just be a, a pastor of a church my entire life. Just, God, let me be part of something big. And, and I, I felt God speak to me and go, you do your part, I'll do my part. And so I went into the ministry at that time and I spent eight years in ministry. I was over at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Ennis. In 1990, Ferris Avenue Baptist Church came and rescued me out of Ennis. Just kidding. We have a campus in Ennis. That's why I said it like that. I live in Ennis today. I love Ennis. I do. But in 1990, the Ferris Avenue Baptist Church came over and for some reason took a 26-year-old I want to say kid, but that would be offensive to some of you. 26-year-old young man and made him pastor. And I remember thinking, what are they thinking? They have got no sense whatsoever. But I came and I became pastor. Today was my first Sunday 31 years ago. We had 88 people down at Getzendaner Park. And I stood in my suit with suspenders and a tie in hot weather. And I preached my little heart out to those 88 people. And I remember that next week, that very next week, I went into my office 
And there was a couch in my office and I really, I really, I curled up on that couch in the fetal position because I thought to myself, I don't have a clue how to be a senior pastor. Everybody in this church is old. They are my parents' age. I don't know enough. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do with my week? I have no idea what I'm doing here. I need to go back to the youth ministry. I need to go back and take kids to Six Flags. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. This is scary as it can be. And I remember just praying through and asking God to be with me. And, and I felt that through those years, we started making some changes. You got to know in 1990, I came into a church that was full of these wonderful, good people. People that loved Jesus and people that were giving a young man a chance and they were willing to take steps of faith. I began making changes, uh, changes to things that they didn't like me making, but they gave me the ability to do it. I made mistakes like you would not believe. I made mistakes in ministry. I made mistakes in my marriage. I mean, everything. I was young, but they stayed with me. So we get to about 1997. And, and you know, most preachers, we, we, we can't get over 200. Nothing we can do. We, we can't get over 200 people. And so most preachers, to get a bigger church, they leave and go find a bigger church, Right? And so about 97, I thought, I got to get out of here. I've made enough mistakes. I'd like to go start over. I'd like to find a, a bigger church, and, and I'm going to go, and, and I'm going to start over somewhere, and, and it's going to be exciting. So I let my resume go out, and, and within a few weeks, I was getting calls and interviews, and I got one interview up in a place called Maryland, Laurel, Maryland, outside of Washington, D.C. And it was an exciting church. They had 13 acres of land. They're about to build a new building. And I was just interviewing, but I preached a sermon and they voted to call me as their pastor. And so I thought, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. I remember coming back and praying, God, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And all of a sudden I had this uneasy feeling and I can't explain that. And I thought, I gotta get along. And so I spent that next week and I spent that week praying, God, I need to know what you want me to do. God, I've always told you, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. Is this it? Is this what you want? And God led me to a verse in the book of Acts. It says this. Now, when David had served God's purpose, nice that the guy's name was David, that helped. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. Now, it sounds pretty morbid. But I read David served God's purpose in his own generation. And that opened my heart and it opened my mind and I began to pray to God. And God's like, if you go, I'll bless you. If you stay, I'll bless you. And as I looked at this verse, I thought, God, what better way to serve my generation than to stay in one place for an extended period of time? To let them see the mistakes I've made to let them see my rawness and, and my authenticity, to let them see that nobody is perfect in this and, and the pastor's not on a pedestal. What better way to serve my generation than let these people see me flaws and all? And so I decided in 97, I'm staying here. I'm staying here. I remember once again in a time of solitude saying, God, if this church never gets beyond 200, this is my church. These are my people. I'm going to love them, and I'm going to be the best pastor I can be. But more than that, I'm going to be the best husband, the best father, the best man I can be. And God, no more looking. I'm staying put. It's funny. A lot of times when you let go of stuff, God circles around and goes, now you're ready. So in 97, we started seeing some things happen that really shook us up. 
In 2000, we built a building on Ferris Avenue that was double the size of our original building. And in one week, we doubled in size. I had my second church. It was a completely different church. It grew to around 600 and the people there loved each other and they loved God and we did things together and we were just connected and it was an incredible experience for us. It was so wonderful to be serving alongside of them. But in 2004, just four years in, I went on another retreat. This time I went to California and I spent time praying and very clearly God spoke in my heart and said, the vision is too small. The vision's too small. This church can reach 800, which was our vision, but you can get the credit and the people can get the credit. You said you wanted something bigger. Step out in faith, leave that land, go to a place I'll show you and I'll do great and mighty things. Well, I came back to the church in 2004 and got the leadership together. Did I mention this was a Baptist church? That, that plays pretty good into the story if you don't understand so I stood before the leadership of the church. I said, hey, our vision is too small. We need to sell everything we have and we need to go move somewhere else. And you know what they said? We believe that's truth. We're behind you 100%. Now, 100% behind you, Baptist. <laughs> that's a God thing for those of you who don't know. You assembly people, you don't understand that. Baptist people, you're like, 100%, are you kidding me? And so in 2004... We found 77 acres of land for sale for $900,000. And they took a step of faith and they bought this land. Three months later, somebody offered us $1.6 million for five acres. Is God incredible or what? We said, we'll take that. Yes, thank you very much. And then we waited. We waited for the opportunity. We continued to do what God had called us to do. About 2008, God began to reveal to me that you're moving, you can't keep the same name. That won't make much sense. And so in the conversations, I thought it best to lead the church to drop the name Baptist. Because every time I say the word Baptist, people have thoughts about what we're going to be. We weren't like that. And so we thought, I'm going to drop the name. So I brought it to the church leadership and I said, we're going to drop the name Baptist and just be the Avenue Church. Did not go over 100%. <laughs> I'd have had less pushback if I'd have said, Satan's going to be visiting next week and I'm going to let him preach. That would have gone over better than me saying, we're going to take Baptist out. And then to make it even more fun, we decided we weren't doing adult Sunday school anymore. 2008 was a rough year. It was a rough year, but God was getting us ready. 2010, we opened up this building and it doubled in a day. And it became the third church that I pastored. It was totally different than the two churches before. It's what they call a mega church which I don't really understand what that means. It just means a lot of folks are coming to church. In fact, our staff today is the size of that church in 1990 that I preached at. The staff is the same size that church was. And so we saw something incredible happen. And it has been so exciting this last 10 years. And unless you take a moment to look back, you don't realize where the avenue has been in the last 10 years. We opened this building. We then in turn opened a youth building next door. And just a couple years later, a youth building that the youth can't meet in anymore because they're too big. Go figure. Then we turned around and we started a campus in Ennis. And then we built a 20,000 square foot nursery over here on the side. Then we remodeled the Brookshire's building for another $5 million and put the Ennis campus over there. That's been 10 years. Now you don't realize how much God has done in 10 years until you look back and see God's hand. And I can tell you for sure that nothing that's happened can be explained by the Ferris Avenue Baptist Church or their preacher. 
It's all been a God thing. All been a God thing. But here's the most exciting part. I've got one more lap. A lap for me is a decade. I got one more lap. And this last lap is gonna be the most exciting lap we've ever had. This last lap is gonna be more a God thing than anything we've done. Some of you have noticed people are moving into Ellis County, right? You're kind of complaining about it. I read it all the time. It makes me laugh. I never complain about God bringing the mission field to our door. That excites me. I can't wait. Now, I don't like the fact that I you know, can't buy another house, but all the said, God is bringing the world to our door. And so this next 10 years, we're going to have a chance to reach Ellis County in a way we've never had a chance to reach it. And that's going to bring a lot of problems and a lot of things we got to do. We're going to have to figure out space so people can come together and meet. We got to figure out where we're going to get together and how we're going to serve each other and how we're going to serve our community. But I'm guaranteeing you starting in August of this year is going to be the most exciting chapter in the life of the Avenue Church. And you get to be a part of it. I can't wait to get ready for that sprint at the end of my lap, I'm going to take the next two and a half months off. Isn't that hilarious? What? You're going to do what? And I know you're sitting out there, many of you are thinking, you're going to take two and a half months off? You're right. We put a spiritual word on it. It's called sabbatical. Now, those of you sitting out there going, sabbatical? Isn't that code for the pastor had a nervous breakdown and needs to get away? That answer is no. Isn't that code for the pastor has marriage problems and, and needs to go to counseling? That answer is no. Isn't that the way for the church to get rid of the old man so they can get somebody young? The answer is maybe. No, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is no. No to all of that. The elders in our church have decided that after 30 years, I was supposed to do this last year, but I thought leaving in the middle of COVID, you know, I didn't want to pull a Ted Cruz. <laughs> That's why I'm going on sabbatical. I shouldn't say things like that. I need a break. The elders decided to give me a sabbatical at 30. I postponed it for a year because I didn't want to leave in the middle of Corona. Our elders, for those of you that don't know, is a group of men that oversee the church. They're not paid by you. They're out in the world. They have all these different jobs. They come together and they oversee the church. And the reason we have elders in our church is the Baptist churches are usually congregational. The congregation votes. As this church began to grow so much, I realized that I had no accountability whatsoever. As a senior pastor, after 20-something years, I could stand and say, let's do this. And everybody would go, okay, yeah, whatever. Did you kill anybody? No. All right, we vote for you. And I just had all of this authority, all of this power. And when we went into a $5.5 million building and nobody asked a question, it scared me. It really did. And so I wanted to be under accountability. And so I had an advisory team that we turned into a board of elders, and I serve with those elders. And they are responsible to keep the church going, and I'm accountable to them, which I enjoy. When we make decisions, it's made by that entire team now instead of just your senior pastor. It's run by pastors and elders to bind. It's a great system. These elders wanted me to take time away. And I accepted for several reasons. And I know you're out in the work world, and you're like, man, I'd like to have two and a, months off, two and a half months off paid. That would be great. And I know. I wish you did too. I really do. But there are a few reasons why a pastor needs it and some reasons why maybe you don't need it as much. And so I want to share those reasons with you because I want you to understand why I've chose to accept the sabbatical. A sabbatical is a planned period of time that the pastor is granted leave away from his normal responsibilities for a time of rest, renewal, and refreshment. I'm taking it because a sabbatical, I'm taking the sabbatical because of pastoral requirements. 
To be a pastor requires spiritual vitality. You have got to stay spiritually healthy to lead a church. I can lead this church in an unhealthy position, but it will not go well. The Bible tells us in Acts 6 that they needed, the apostles needed to devote themselves to prayer and ministry of the word. That's, that's times of silence and meditation, reflection, prayer, and biblical study. It's hearing from God. I told you many, many times that the times that God has done something incredible is the times I've been alone, been away, been in times of solitude, in times of quiet. That's when I can hear God. I can't stay busy 24-7 like some of you do. Because if I do, I will not hear from God the way that I need to hear from God. And so because I've got to stay spiritually vital, I've got to get away. You do understand that I have to come up with content every week. I don't, it sounds like it sometimes, but I don't just stand here and talk. I actually have to prepare content. Now, if I told you next week you were preaching a sermon, how many of you get real excited about that? One of you? None of you? So maybe you got one sermon in you, but how'd you like to keep doing that week after week after week after week for 30 years? What happens is I find myself reading the Bible to preach it. I find myself reading books to share with you. I find myself listening to sermons going, that would be a good point. And I need an extended period of time that I can read the Bible for me. So God can speak to me. I need a time that I can pray and not just pray for you, pray for my family. I need a time that I can listen to sermons and just think about what God is speaking to me, not what I need to turn around and speak to you. And so because I've got to stay spiritually vital, I need a break and I need time away. It's just the nature of pastoral work. You realize I'm in a spiritual warfare every day. And Satan attacks pastor's families in ways that you would not believe. Satan comes after us because if I can be beat down, if I can be unhealthy, if I can lose focus, it has an impact on all the people that I'm leading. And so I need for my own welfare to get out of the war for a while, to take a step back and to rest and to be ready for what God is going to do. You do realize that most conversations I have with people are sad. Most conversations. You don't call your pastor to say you got a raise. You don't call your pastor to say you bought a new house or you're having a baby. You call your pastor when you lost your job. You call your pastor when there's been a tragic accident. You call your pastor when you got a bad report from the doctor. You call your pastor when your marriage is falling apart or your kids are going off the rail. And that's fine. That's what I'm called to do. But see, when you call me with those things, I carry them. And they're a burden. And so every conversation I have for the most part is sad. And so I've got to step away for a period of time so that I can help you when you're in those situations. If I continue, I will become cynical. I will become callous. I'll become hardened. And you know people like this in the ministry. I can lead this church in my flesh, but it would not look like the avenue. And so for me, I've got to get away. I need to get away from my family. My family needs me to be David. You realize everywhere I go, I'm the pastor of the Avenue Church. I'm never off. Everywhere I go, I'm the pastor of the Avenue Church. There are people that ignore my wife and almost push her out of the way to ask me a question about church. Now think for a moment, if every conversation you had was about your job, every conversation outside in the community was about your job, that gets old. And your family needs to see you not as the pastor of the Avenue Church, but as their dad, as their granddad, as their husband. And so I'm pulling away so I can just do that. 
And it's going to be awkward me not talking about church, but I'm not going to talk about church. I'm not going to text. I'm not going to email. I'm saying this all out loud so I can please do it. Because I want them to have all of me. And for a while, I'd like to meet people and just be David. Now, once again, I am not complaining about that. I am so glad when I go to the ball fields, you're there and I see you and we talk. I love that. I can't imagine after 30 years if I showed up the ball field and I didn't know anybody. That'd be a horrible indictment, wouldn't it? There's one last reason why it's good for a pastor to take sabbatical. It's for the church's health. The church is gonna have to step up during this time. And I think that is incredible. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing this if it wasn't for an incredible staff that God has put here. This staff is gonna rise up and it's gonna fill the gaps with me gone. Our deacons are gonna rise up and fill the gaps. Some of you are gonna rise up and fill the gaps. And that's exciting to me to see that what we're doing has ongoing influence. It's not about the preacher. And listen, if you are thinking to yourself, hey, if the preacher's not here, I'm not coming for the next 10 weeks. If he's not preaching, I'm not coming. Don't tell me that because that's an indictment on my leadership. It's not a compliment to my preaching. Because if you're coming here to hear preaching, you're not coming here to meet Jesus and I failed you. So I want you to know for your health, I'm gonna step away and there's gonna be people in this pulpit and they're gonna outshine me like you wouldn't believe. They're gonna be incredible preachers. They have a word for you. They're excited. They're gonna come and I want you to be a part of it. While I'm gone, I have the same prayer that Paul had when he wrote the Philippians. He said, he wanted your manner of life. He wants the avenue to be worthy of the gospel. So that whether I'm here and see you or whether I'm absent, I can hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. I want to hear that the avenue is in a better place when I come back in August, that you are serving in more ways than you've ever served, that you have stepped into the gap. I'm going to come back to a healthy, exciting church that's ready for this last lap, is ready to see things that we can't explain, is ready for God to do more than we can expect or ask for. It's coming, and I want you to be ready. I plan to come back rested, rejuvenated, and on fire. I can't wait. While I'm gone, while I'm gone, I hope that you too will take some time. Now, it's a horrible sermon. Just straight up front. Horrible sermon. But I I hope there's some takeaways for you. And I wanted to share those quickly. In hearing the reason for a sabbatical, I want you to evaluate your walk. I want you to evaluate your walk. I want you to look at your life and say, are you coming to church for Jesus? Or are you coming to church for preaching? Are you coming to church to serve? Are you coming to church to consume? Are you part of it? Are you invested in it? For some of you, maybe you need to take some time away to be refreshed, renewed. I know you can't take two and a half months, but maybe a week, maybe a day. Can you spend some time listening? Listen, God has something he wants to tell you. He speaks to you just like he speaks to me. I wouldn't hear him if I never got alone because it's so loud. Maybe your life's too loud. So maybe God wants to speak to you. You need rest and restoration and revival. I want you ready at the end of the summer because the next level of the avenue is going to be intense. And I want you to all be part of it. Isn't it exciting that we can be part of something bigger than ourselves that nobody can explain? 
I want to invite you in in that journey. Let me pray over you. Father God, I can't tell you how incredible it is that you allow me to get away. I thank you for a church that's healthy enough for the pastor to step away. I thank you for elders who believe in spiritual health enough to ask me to step away. I thank you for a staff that is perfectly willing to bridge the gap while I'm gone. But most of all, I thank you for the people that you bring week after week that they come in and they give to this place. I pray for the next 10 weeks, God, they will find a time to refresh and be ready in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.